Member-supported Jazz 90.1 proudly welcomes you to America's longest-running computer show, Soundbites. Call the show now at 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free, 800-790-0415 or soundbites.org. Now, alongside Steve Ray and Dave Enright, here's Nick Francesco on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Good afternoon, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the chips in the PC. It is Saturday, the 27th day of January. Anno Domini 2024, and you, <laughs> you lucky people, you're listening to Sound Bites. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Dave Enright. And I'm Steve Ray. And at six minutes after the hour, we're going to be bringing you news, views, things to choose, nothing to lose, kick off your shoes. Did you pay your dues? Don't get the blues. Here comes the news. And we should say happy birthday to Macintosh. That Mac was 40 years old this month. On January 24th, uh, we found out why 1984 wasn't like 1984. Exactly. But it certainly feels like 2024 is like 1984. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Yeah. I, I, I almost unpacked my Macintosh, my original. Yeah, a lot of people were posting their original Mac. Almost especially, did. Especially if it, if it still runs, that's amazing. Well, what, what's interesting is, I had the original 128K Mac, then turned it into a fat Mac, the 512K yep. version. And then Kevin Kondo stuck two megabytes, two massive megabytes yep. into it. We booted it up. Nothing happened. Yep. Because it took forever to count up the, to yep. check the RAM. I got mine from Gabe Hamidian. <laughs> remember Gabe? Yeah, remember. No, did I get mine from Gabe? Or No, I got mine from Kevin. From Kevin, yeah. I put four megs in mine. Ooh. So, $1,000. Yeah. My buddy bought a four, no, a hundred meg hard drive. Oh, man. $1,000. A hundred meg? Yep. Wow. And a few months later, we both bought the opposite. Yeah, right. <laughs> four megs of RAM and a hundred meg hard drive. Right. What were you going to do with all of that? Yeah. Uh, we played games mostly. Yeah, mostly, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's the news. Security researchers have warned that a database containing no less than 26 billion, with a B, leaked data records has been discovered. The supermassive data leak, or mother of all breaches, as the researchers refer to it, is likely the biggest found to date. The newly discovered database of leaked data runs to 12 terabytes in size. You would not have been able to fit it on that under. 100-megabyte drive. drive, yeah. That's equivalent to 15,600 filing cabinets. And God bless whoever did that math. Records from users of platforms and services such as Twitter, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Adobe, Canva, Telegram, Tencent, and Weibo were all found in this database. Worryingly, the researchers also say that records from an assortment of U.S. and other government organizations can be found there. If there is good news to be found in such a discovery, it's that little of this appears to be new data. Instead, the researchers say it's more a case of compiled records from thousands of previous breaches and data links. What's more, there are undoubtedly a large number of duplicate data records within this comp compilation. The, employ. the inclusion of usernames and password combinations does, however, still mean this is a cause for concern. I'd expect a surge if current levels aren't high enough in credential stuffing attacks over the coming weeks as a result. We must all assume that some of our data are held in this data set. As such, we all must take action to protect ourselves. Enabling two-factor authentication is a significant step in protecting ourselves 
against attacks that involved breached credentials. Also, of course, changing your passwords to something you've never used before is an excellent idea. Above all else, though, don't panic. If you maintain good credentials hygiene, use strong and unique passwords that are not reused elsewhere, and use two-factor authentication where available, you should be safe. If you don't, now is a great time to start panicking. Our poll of the week at soundbites.org, that's Bites with a Y, Francis would like us to remind you, is 26 billion records leaked. And your choices are, I've got some protection in place, I'll start changing passwords today, I'll get around to it, I'm burying my head in the sand, and don't care if I get hacked. So far, there's 25 votes, and uh, I've got some protection in place, luckily, is in the lead. Notice I don't have I'm protected, because mm-hmm. you're never fully protected. Mm-mm. Notice I didn't, don't have a going commando baby, because that leads people <laughs> to click on it without thinking. Um, but used, there, this is what's there. And I, I use the same password for everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Unbelievable. Not, they've added nine now in the top password. Oh, to make list. it harder? It's, yeah, it's now they it's added a nine. nine is there? Yep. Oh. I don't have that many spaces on my luggage. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, give us a call and tell us what password protections you have in place. Aside from a notebook that's 15 years old and you can't remember which password goes to what. 585-96... You know who I'm talking to, Brian. 585-966-CHAZ. That's 966-5299. Toll free 800-790-0415. Another argument this week with a customer trying to use the same password for everything after they got breached. Unbelievable. No, no, no. You can't do that. Right. But it's too hard to keep a track of all those passwords. That's why they make programs to Even do a book to write them down in. And, and again, every time I have a customer that brings their password book, they try it and it doesn't work, they start flipping the page. No, no. Cross that one off. It exactly. doesn't work. That way we won't try it again in six months. That's exactly right. right. You and know- why are you starting at the front of the book? Yeah. Start at the back of the book where the new passwords are. Yep. Wait a minute. You guys have met my worst <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. And date them. Date when you yep. gave it that pass. How hard is that? It takes one second to add the date. No, I don't even. That, that gives me headaches thinking. I and know. What's best is to use a password manager. That is, I mean, knock on wood. I have been using what NPass now for it's got to be a good three, four years, and I don't care how simple of a uh, system that I'm going into. Maybe I'll never do it again, or it might be another couple of years. I write down that password, or you know the website and all that, or I'll just quick up, open up NPass on the other screen and quick paste the website in there and give That's it some I do name every and everything yeah. else. And, and have it create a nice, long, strong password. Yeah, people are, are still under the misconception that passwords have to be complex gibberish that you can't remember. Right. Complexity isn't the key. Length is the key. Length is the key. Yeah, a horse, staple, monkey, you know, paycheck. Battery. Ba- yeah, battery. I always forget the fourth one. Four words. To, that's a long password. Easy to remember. And relatively well not not that specific one anymore because right <laughs> relatively easy to to uh, to remember um and and long is better so i, I just posted an, um a link to the grc password haystack so you can yep. type in 
um, a a password and to see how long it will take you to 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 be cracked. Um, you know, and so- that password, um, they say, and we we seem to trust Gibson. It doesn't get saved anywhere. Yeah, it's it's only done locally in your own um, uh, computer. Right. And and back to the twenty six billion records leech. Uh, leached, leaked. Um, all the browser companies, uh, um, um, Safari and Chrome and Firefox, they use uh, Troy Hunt's Have I Been Pwned website to tell when your password has been leaked. Uh, and so um, you can go there and put your email address in and he'll warn you when there's a new leak. So that, that's, that's the biggest scare about this new collection of 26 billion, um, that there's one breach and they get your email address. There's another breach and they get a social security number. There's another breach, and they get a date of birth. Individually, they slowly don't, picking away right. at it. Individually, they don't, they don't, don't, don't um, uh, uh, go for much. But by con- compiling all this data together and linking that information together, that's all people need to steal your credit. Right. But and go ahead. I was going to say, but the thing of it is, though, with the password manager, you don't have to remember those things. Most of like yep. NPASS, I just sit there and if I go to their website, it'll all of a sudden say, all right, you want to use this password that you save for this particular website? Yeah. And it puts it in there and that can be 54 characters long. And we're starting to generate 64 character yeah. passwords. And I don't have to remember it. I, I, for the fun of it, I pasted several, I spent much, much, much of an evening while I was watching the movie, pasting um, um, passwords that that uh, and pass it generated into um, uh, Pay, the haystack. haystack yeah you know a million years 700 billion years yeah you know it, 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 we'll see the heat death of the universe before this password gets cracked there was a an episode of security now a few years ago that I can never find it again when I when I want to but someone did a a, a research project so it was probably somebody's doctoral thesis um, they went to all the banks, you know, shopping companies, things like that, and calculated how long their what their password requirements were. So this site wants an eight-character password, uppercase, lowercase numbers, and symbols. You know, that's the best. And they were shocked at how many like banks they found that would allow a three-character password. Yeah, which means it checked for one, it checked for two, three was okay. Three was okay. Right. And that basically means it was if password less than, yeah. and the only number they could think of was three. Yeah. And some Whoa. of them they found were, you could type in 50 characters, but only the first eight were used. Oh, that's the worst. And and so you think you're typing a good long password in, and it just truncates it. Yep. Or when it says password already in use, pick another one. That means the other end already knows everybody's passwords. Yep. That's not good password security on their end. Right. Got to be salted and hashed so that way when it does leak, it's hard to get to. Right. And remember, there are a lot of password managers, most of them pretty easy to use. One of the reasons we like NPASS is that the password database is encrypted on your computer based on the password you use to get into it. Mm-hmm. So picking a decently long password. And you know what? It can be letters, it can be numbers, it can be it can be it can be as complex as you need it to be. And then put twenty periods after it. And put twenty periods after. <laughs> Make it long. But the point is, if if you do that, and because one of the things NPASS lets you do is uh, publish your 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 database of of passwords, 
So you can put it on, say, Google's uh, Chrome, uh, Google's uh, Drive, and share it among all your other devices. Well, the question is always, what happens if somebody cracks my password for Google? Well, first, get two-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. Second, make it a long password. Third, it's already encrypted with your password. How good was your password? Yeah. If your password yep. is one, two, three, it's crappy security. No shit. Yep. We, we run into this all the time when someone buys a new computer um, and they don't know their passwords right. and don't have them written down anywhere. If we can get into their email, uh, it's game over. And, and uh, my boss was saying it's amazing how, how easy we can break into people's stuff. So they don't remember their Amazon password? I go to Amazon and say, I forgot password. And it emails us. Yep. Well, I'm in your email, so I can reset your Amazon password. I can reset your bank password because mm-hmm. I'm in your email. Right. Yep. So your email password is probably the most important password you have and should be the most uh, uh, longest and secure so that someone else can't get into it. Right. And, of course, one of the problems people complain about uh, is that they don't, they're not typists. I'm not a typist. You know what? Uh, then get hacked. I guess I don't mm-hmm. care. And if you use a password manager, it types it in for you. That's exactly well, that's the right. other thing. Uh, with the NPAS, only because, you know, my for my bank, I've got, they finally upgraded it so you could put it in nice long passwords. Right. So I've gotten into the habit every six months, granted it hasn't been cracked, but I go ahead and change my password for my banking account. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it. I just go over to NPASS and say, okay, generate me a new password. And I can make it, you know, a couple characters longer or shorter. doesn't matter. It's different. That's all I care about. Paste it in. And then I go over to my bank and say, all right, let's change the password. And I change it. Right. So it's always, I don't worry about my, you know, and I get these email, well, your bank account's been broken into or this. Or, no, it hasn't. Mm-mm. Right. No way. Right. Well, that, and that leads us again to that other question, which is people panic when they get mm-hmm. those emails. Well, what you do is you go to your bank, not by clicking on any links in the email. But by having already bookmarked your bank site, go to your bank and look. If you had been, if there was a problem, there would be a notice there. Yeah. Trust me, they're not shy about that. And most of the time, the well, the bad guys are pretty lazy. You can look at who the message says it's from. Right. And almost none of the time does it say it's from your bank. It'll say from Joe or something. Right. Um, Somebody at Gmail. Yeah. Well, you know what? My bank doesn't use Gmail. And, and if they do, get, get a new bank. Get a new bank. <laughs> well, the back end probably. <laughs> right, right, right. The back yeah. end probably is, but it's yeah. an address at yeah. the bank. A Gmail address is not your bank. Uh, an iCloud address is not your bank. Right. Or or McAfee or Norton trying to talk you, you know, right. warning you that your uh, subscription has expired and you're you're vulnerable and you better click this link and, and buy a new subscription. Yeah. I, I got one the other day. Um, my hosting service. I have auto renew on all of my domains. But I always check. Yeah. You know, I get a notice that a domain has renewed. I go, look, it takes 10 seconds. Cool. For a long time, there was a, um, uh, it's not as popular anymore, but there was a fake domain renewal right. campaign. Well, and that's what I got. Yeah. You'd get I, it. You get an email address from someone. Your domain's about to, re, uh, to expire. Click here. And some of them were legitimate. Well, no. 
uh, they, they were real fakes where right. they would take over your domain, right? But but still renew it, right? But most of them are fake fakes where they just steal your money and don't renew it, right? Exactly. But in this case, I, I had done, I literally had just done the renewal, went back to my mail, and there was a your domain is expired. Yeah, pretty sure it hasn't. All right, to the phones. Our first caller is Ed from Henrietta, New York. Hi, Ed. What's up? Yeah, I, uh, it's funny about NPASS. I was going to call you guys anyway. I got a new uh, A14 phone from Samsung, so I had everything ported over, um, and I went to use it the other day to check on a uh, password, and I hit the icon for NPASS, and it came up like I was uh, a new customer. Yep. The first time so, you log into any phone, I just did it on my on this computer. I had installed NPASS. Uh, and it doesn't know who I am. So I have to tell it who I am that first time. And then it says, oh, this is who you are and where you store your data. And the password is correct and the username is correct. You're good. How do you do that? Because I put in my email and uh, it said, we already have somebody uh, sort of subscribe. That's, yeah, that's me. But you, I can't tell. You clicked on the new button instead of the login. I already have an account button. Right. There are two buttons there. Well, I didn't see that. That's uh, it. Just uh, hmm. yeah. The new button is big, and the I already have an account button is small. I don't know why so they you, do it in that order, but they do. So when you click on the icon, that's what comes in the window. I didn't see that. It was just like welcome to end pass. What's your blah blah blah? You know, right? Like they didn't even know who I was. Okay, no, yeah, so you, but well, you, you they won't know who you are on a new phone. But but it there'll be a section to create a new account. Or under that somewhere, there's probably already subscriber. Click here to log in. Right, and it's probably not a button. It's probably just text. I see. Okay, I'll check with that. It must be hidden away. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not as obvious. They want new members. So then they'll automatically they'll pull over the, the contents of the file, and they'll just move over like everything else. Exactly. Right. Once, once you've proved you're you, all that stuff will populate on your phone. Yeah. In, fact, if, in fact, it should say, oh, you already have an account. I'll let you log in now and take you to the login page itself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Backseat programming. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. I'll try. All right. Thank thanks. <laughs> I just have my email open here. I'm checking to log in on something, and I got a message from Peacock that my uh, membership has expired. And there's a nice button here where I can click to extend my membership for free. <clears throat> for free? A except it, it came from somebody named Geraldine Vera at iCloud. Geraldine. Nice. And and it's going to go to dynip.org. Sure. Win. W-I-N-T-G-I-N-G-D-S-D dot D-Y-N-I-P dot org. So someone's got a dynamic IP service they're using it. Yeah. So, yeah. it's Oh, shoot. My peacock has expired. I, you know, I better click this button to renew it. And particularly since it's free. Yeah. One thing I've got to put in a plug for because <clears throat> I've been the drain hooked on this. No, it's uh, YouTube videos, and they're called Scammer Payback. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys, the lady. No, this is a guy, uh, and he works with the FBI. So, folks, if you want to see the scams that they're pulling, check out some of these YouTube's. This guy has formed a business, and evidently, other folks are now. You know, gravitating, getting on board with this, and they are busting these scammers. And they have stopped literally thousands of dollars 
to uh, that would have gone over back to India, because what they're doing is is they'd sit there and they get these unwittingly uh, people on their computers and think that they transferred money and it's just, so they got to put it in this box and they send it to a local address here in the U.S. And the guy has the FBI go to this place in the U.S. and bust them so the money never makes it back over to India. So it is a big scam. They were saying just in uh, six months, they stopped close to a million and a half dollars. You know, from going uh, and being people being ripped off. The one I saw was a, a lady who does different voices. I don't know if she's a voice actor. Oh, actress yeah, yeah, I've seen her too. But she, she, she goes with them for a while and they say, can, and she gets to the point where it says, can you give us the card number? And she goes, yes. Three, two, one. And we're back. We're on the air and live with a scammer. And the FBI is tracking him even as we speak. Let's ask this guy his name. Where are you calling from, sir? Click. Yeah. Well, this guy has reversed it that he can get into their computers and see him on screen. Oh, I've seen that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's talking to this one girl. And she goes, no, you don't. You can't see us. He goes, well, then you want to uh, just uh, tell that girl that's right sitting right next to you in the blue uh, top to cop, stop slapping you on the uh, the arm. And all of a sudden, this panic look, and then, boop, the screen goes black. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, it is very easy to get into people's computers, to, to take over people's computers once you get into them. And the way they get into them is when you when you say, sure, I'll run this Teams thing or this whatever thing that you tell me to run. Because yep. you're from Google or you're from Microsoft yep. or you're from Apple and you're going to help me fix my computer. Uh, which wasn't having a problem, by the way. Um, yep. So, yeah, um, be very aware that nobody Well, you know, we, we say this all the time and it's still true. Mm-hmm. Nobody from any of those companies is ever going to call you directly. You may, in fact, once in a while, get an email from them about selling you something, not giving you something or helping you with something, selling you something. If it's not a sales pitch, that's not them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of companies have kind of stopped emailing you with with um, warnings. You know, you're, it looks like you're a suspicious account. You know, contact um, because they can't. It's so hard for an average user to understand a real message from a fake message. So the bad, uh, the good guys have stopped sending real messages because it just gets indent- inundated from all the bad messages. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, here's a here's a good one, Chris Horn, the great Chris Horn, who maybe maybe yep. Chris Horn, maybe he's Chris Horn. Yeah, um, uh, said a big benefit. Uh, we're on the chat here. A big benefit for my family is getting the grandparents on a family iPlan iPassword plan. Yeah. So in the event of a crisis, we can get in and pay bills, etc. My entire family has access to my NPass. Yep. So if, God forbid, something happens, uh, my wife and my daughter can get in, into all my accounts, including my banks Many's. and everything else, so that, you know, there's a there's a, a continuity plan yep. in place. Many systems, uh, uh, Apple, Google, Microsoft, have a legacy account set up. Right. I've done that for Google as well. Yep. You can set up a legacy person to access. We have... We had three customers in the last week who had an unexpected death in their family, and I need to get into the stuff. We 
we can't. You need you need their password, or you try to I forgot, and you need their security questions. Right. With and that's the other thing. Uh, most uh, password managers, like NPass, has a text field. Put in the questions and put in the answers and make the answers fake. Yeah. Uh, all right. That interesting music tells us that it's time for us to take a little break. But, of course, you can still give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299, toll-free 800 790 0415. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Dave Enright, Steve Ray, me, Nick Francesco, and you. 29 minutes after the hour, sound bites, member supported, Jazz 90.1. Online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at soundbites.org. More with Nick Francesco, Dave Enright, and Steve Ray next on member supported, Jazz 90.1. Everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Dave Enright. And I'm Steve Ray. And at 35 minutes after the hour, we are Soundbites. And that's going to get us a YouTube takedown notice. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Fred points out in the chat that I have family as co-signer for my bank account as well as my MPAS on their devices. And that's absolutely correct thing to do, Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reality is that we really need to, uh, to prepare for the inevitable. And one way you do that is to get family on as co-signers for your bank accounts, and you on theirs. Everybody should be co-signers on everybody else's account so that they can get into them if they need to. And uh, share your password database around with people by by putting whatever password manager you have, in my case, like I said, it's NPASS, uh, on their machines and then giving them the NPASS password. And if you change the NPASS password, give them the new one. Uh, There's been some interesting case Cases recently, um, the law hasn't quite kept up, kept up right. with digital ownership. So currently, you cannot inherit digital things. Right. Um, so you, know, you have a spouse that passes. You try to claim their digital assets. You have no legal right to them. But if you have their password, yeah, then you can access them. Right. It's exactly right, and that's the way. That's the way it works. That's the key to the vault. And uh, so, yeah, uh, prep. Nobody likes to prepare for these things. I, I get that. Believe me, I get that. The only sad thing true about it is it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. Maybe to you. Not not to me. But uh, okay. <laughs> but that's the, that's the attitude most people have. I got plenty of time to do this. Hmm. No, you really don't. So courts are, are slowly changing to, to so that digital goods are inheritable but it um varies by by jurisdiction yep okay oh this is this is long but it's uh it's my favorite one this week we've talked about this before but finally an hp ceo said it out loud printers are one of the banes of modern society and computing expensive and frustrating relics that are nonetheless occasionally necessary over the past because the paperless d- Desktop has not happened. Over the past few years, HP seems to be doing its best to make them even more expensive and frustrating by milking the infamously exploitive ink market until both a literal and metaphorical cartridge runs dry. After enraging customers by blocking third-party ink and bricking printers with dodgy firmware, HP's CEO recently said the quiet part, 
out loud. In an interview with CNBC last week during the World Economic Forum in Davos, HP CEO Enrique Lores gave a few choice quotes in response to a recent lawsuit over HP software updates that block ink cartridges from non-PC sources. He started by saying, I think for us it's important to protect our IP, which is intellectual property. There is a lot of IP that we build in, in the inks of the printheads, in the printer, in the printheads itself, in the printers. And what we're doing is when we identify cartridges that are violating our IP, we stop the printer from work. Please note that English is not Mr. Lorry's first language. So they're ripoffs, they're counterfeits, and you're going to break the printer result as a result, asked CNBC Squawk Box host Rebecca Quick. In many cases, it could be, said Lorez. It can create all sorts of issues from the printer stop working because the inks have not been designed to work in our printers to even create security issues. We have seen that you can embed viruses in the cartridge, through the cartridge to the printer, from the printer to the network, so it can create many more problems. And this claim is not entirely accurate, by the way. While, yes, it is technically possible to embed malware, if not a classic computer virus, in a printer cartridge, the attack is limited to the printer itself, and there's no evidence that it can pose a risk any f- to any further computers or the network itself. But when the printer firmware gets infected, then yes, that does affect everybody That's else. That's different mm-hmm. from yep. infecting the cartridge. Yeah. Security experts find it unlikely that any malefactor with fewer resources than a nation-state actor would actually be able to exploit this vulnerability, making the risk to everyday users and small businesses vanishingly small so far. At the risk of being reductive, it seems a lot like HP has invented a problem and then supplied the solution, which just happens to include locking out third-party ink suppliers and locking customers into massively overpriced ink. Then in the interview, the HP CEO said the quiet part out loud. Our view is that we need to make printing as easy as possible. And our long-term objective is to make printing a subscription. This is really what we have been driving. We know it reduces the barriers to print. It offers a much more convenient solution to customers and especially is more sustainable because every time a customer uses a cartridge, we take it back, we recycle, we use it again. As distasteful as Laura's comments might sound, it's nothing new. HP has been attempting to get customers to subscribe to ink and toner cartridges for years via their instant ink program and they're not the only one. Laura's attitude is a bit chilling. Every time a customer buys a printer, it's an investment for us, he says. And if this customer doesn't print enough or doesn't use our supplies, it's a bad investment. He went on to say that he wants the subscription model to extend further, not only for printers, but for PCs and for the rest of the products we build. The fact is you are an investment, a product, not a customer. Happy to be a product? Yep. Give us a call, 585 585- 966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299. Toll free 800 we have already seen printers, uh, personally I've seen HP and Canon, uh, that will not work without an internet connection or an ink subscription. Right. Um, and it's, it's crazy. Well, that's one of the reasons I moved to Brother Printers. Yeah. So far, at least. Yeah. So far. Um, the, and, and, of course... Inkjet printers are much, 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 much more expensive than laser printers in the long run. The day you buy them, they're cheaper, mm-hmm. but the ink is like yep. $6,000 a gallon. And, and you're, you're pay, you think you're paying a lot for gas? Yeah. No. Well, and so some companies, Epson has their EcoTank brand. Yeah. Um, it has bigger tanks, so the cost per print is lower. Until it dries out the print head because you don't print enough. Right. No one... <laughs> We don't print much anymore, right? So, so it doesn't doesn't help that you've got inexpensive ink 
if it dries out, and you got to replace the printhead. And that doesn't happen with a laser. Yeah. So you can you can have the same laser for years and print once a month. Now, if you are do if you are printing photos, then liquid ink is is the best for photos. Right. But you have to print enough of them that your your um, that it matters. Don't wear out. So what I did. Um, well, actually, dye sublimation. Dye sub, yeah. <laughs> I've got I got a Kodak dye sub printer. Uh, it does four by five um, prints because that's what you want for your snapshots. Sure. And they look gorgeous. It actually has a. Um, it's RGB, and then it puts a gloss coat down on it. Oh, nice. Uh, and it was, it was like $150 with uh, 200 um, print card. Um, um, uh, uh, um, Rima paper? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's basically. In, in, yeah, individual. And, and the ribbon. So it uses a, a, a ribbon of dye. So it looks like the old um, ribbon ink um, printers. Very cool. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's Bluetooth, it's Wi-Fi, or you can dock your phone onto it and... Print whatever you want. It's really, gorgeous. Really, really nice. Archandra says, uh, I don't get the fascination with using ink for photos. Color laser printers are fine for me. And for most people, well, they are. Well, the, the $200 color laser printers don't do that good with photos. Right. you got to use special photo paper, uh, uh, specialer paper than, than inkjet photo paper. Um, but you got to get into the, like the $1,000 laser printer to get you know, you know, magazine-quality photos. Right. Snapshots are fine with um, um, the um, uh, uh, regular laser printers. Your mic isn't on. Yeah, uh, that's one thing I still have from 1995 is my old HP LaserJet 4000 TN. It's a network printer, and that is a workhorse because we had it from the business. And once you know we closed down the business, I just moved it. On upstairs, and I've been using that, and it does a great job. Sure, it does. And and uh, you know, if you're not printing pictures, and you're not printing, you know, seven thousand pages a day, um, any laser printer will do the job just very nicely. Thank you. And most mm-hmm. people don't print in color anyway. Yeah. So a, an inexpensive uh, black and white laser printer. And nowadays, for a ludicrously low amount of money, you can get them to do uh, copying and faxing if anybody's still got a landline. Mine, I've got it set up. So if I want to print off, say, a manual, it'll sit there and do double-sided. So instead of, you know, having a 40-page manual be 40 pages, no, it's half of that, 20. Right. Um, and and yeah, so those are those are important considerations when you're buying your next printer. Don't just reflexively buy a, a, a an inkjet because it's cheap to buy, because uh, it's penny wise and pound foolish. Back to the phones. Our next caller is Josh from Fairport, New York. What's up, Josh? Hey guys, um, I just had two things. First thing, I have an HP printer and I've had it for a while, and it's an absolute piece of garbage. Um, <clears throat> second, well, still the first thing. The the part you were talking about with the ink cartridges and how it, it doesn't allow for the third party, <clears throat> I found that so frustrating. And uh, one time, my wife ordered some cartridges off of who, wherever, yep. and what I ended up doing was <laughs> I took this little this little plunger that we had, like um almost like a hypodermic but without the needle, sure. and I and I sucked the ink out of the third party cartridges <laughs> and I slowly. And carefully uh, pumped it, pumped it into the you know the original cartridges, and 
gave it a little wipe down, stuck it in there. <laughs> that worked. That worked for a while, and then printer companies got onto that, and they put a chip in the cartridge. So yeah. when when the ink cartridge thinks it's empty, uh, it's empty. And even if oh. you, if you put more ink in it, it thinks it's empty. Oh, that's so criminal. Oh, so gross. Yeah, I use a, a brother um, laser printer, inexpensive one, uh, and I use third party cartridges. And I have not had a day of problem in, I don't know, six years, eight years. Oh, that sounds good. I'm, I'm going to need a new printer because we've, we've been trying to print color, just mm-hmm. pictures, little basic pictures, and all the colors are just completely wrong. I don't know why or how, but we've been buying the, you know, the original uh, cartridges for it recently. You may and, have to um, clean the print heads. Which is a oh, yeah. feature, yeah, in, uh, which yeah, uses ink. <laughs> uses up your ink. Yeah, we've done all that. It just everything is coming out kind of pink. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, well, I'll the other thing that is one. that print heads uh, wear out. It wear out. Yeah. The inkjet print heads wear out. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh-huh. you know, you might be. It might just be time. The bleeding color. Yeah. It's bleeding yeah. color because it's yeah. getting so worn. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, the last thing was uh, you were talking about the you know scamming the scammers or busting the scammers. Yep. There's uh, a series of videos on YouTube uh, by a guy named Mark Rober. He's uh, an engineer in San Jose. Oh yeah. He's great. He makes these these devices that you put inside of a cardboard box because there's a real big problem out there with people. Porch stealing. pirates. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So I just love watching his videos. <laughs> yeah, the, the he's he's graduated to to glitter, yeah, glitter bombs, glitter bombs, yeah. Glitter bombs. yeah. And they also have a, a an aroma, an yeah. aroma bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the one he had that had uh, had little micro quads in it that came out of the box, flew up in the air to spread the glitter and smell farther in the room. <laughs> farther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, just. That's good work. That's the Lord's work, right? Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yep, there you go. And, and and one of the one of the videos, the one of the scammers was, oh my God, it's that stupid YouTuber trying to scam us. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Oh, I love it. Well, hey, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate everything you do. Yep. Thanks, Josh. Keep listening. Yep, we'll do. And tell all your friends and all yeah. your enemies. I don't know you. Maybe you have more. Yep. Uh, but yeah, there's. Uh, um, there's a man. You can spend so much time on YouTube. Squirrel, squirrel. He's talking about a rabbit hole. Oh, is he the one that did the squirrel Olympics? He put all the obstacle. Oh, he might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put all the obstacle course up, and the squirrel learned it in the week. Yep. He, there was one I saw where they started with like five different kinds of nuts, sort of out in the open, to see which one the squirrels liked best. So they knew what incentive to put at the end of each right. bit of the obstacle course. And it's crazy. They had to climb into a car and run down a track to get from one point to another point. And, and, and they did it. That's just crazy. Well, you know what? They're smarter than we think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Back to the phones. Our next caller is Jim from Arondacoit. What's up, Jim? Well, I'm, I'm trying to download uh, a video from my, my phone to my laptop. And what I've done is uh, I've sent it to my email and then I get something, and then when I click the icon on the lower left, something's happening, but I don't know where it's going. It's you know, it, it, it says download messages, but I can't find it anywhere. Should be in your downloads folder. 
Well, but how, how, big of, how big of a, a video file is it? No, well, it's actually really small because okay. I, just, I just did a three-second one just to test it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Because email isn't really meant for files. You're typically limited to about five megabytes of file size. Okay. Um, the, the, the better way to do it, if it's uh, your own phone and your own computer, is, is plug the phone into the computer with, usually with the charging cable. Okay. Uh, and then the phone shows up as a hard drive on the computer okay. and you can just drag the files. Okay. But the but the interesting thing is is the fact that you know on, on the on the right side yeah. that little that little bar like it's 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 doing something. Sometimes you sometimes you can right click it and say download as or download to and then okay. and then pick the folder you want to put it in. Oh, it may just okay. also be slow. Yeah. Okay. Who's okay. your who's your email provider? Uh Spectrum. Okay, so well, no, yeah, okay. So uh, it may just simply be slow. It may also be that it's yeah, it would it? It just might be slow. And are you but, using the web uh, uh, web browser to log into the mail, or are you using a program yeah. like Thunderbird? Yeah, Thunderbird. Uh, um, that should put it in the downloads folder. Should put it in okay. the downloads folder. Well, check your Thunderbird preferences, right, and okay. see what the preferences set. Um, I mean, my my download folder works for every other application I've ever used. That's why I'm surprised I couldn't find it. Yeah. How a, long did you wait? Uh, well, my my the one that I just did my three second video. You know, it's it it, co- it comes up to my it comes up in my Thunderbird file real quick. But when you when you go to save it, well. The, Have you looked in your videos folder or your... Or, yeah, does it know what kind it is? Yeah, it might be saving it uh, in the video folder because it knows it's a video. Okay. Okay, well, I'll look around. But uh, the reason I call is because I thought it was obvious that it should be in the download folder, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Right, right, right. So, it, you're anyway, right. I, I agree with you. It should it, be, but it might be that yours is set up to save videos in the video folder. Okay, well, I'll go look for it. Yep. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Good luck, Jim. Okay. Bye. Yeah, we we find that one of the things computers were never originally meant to do is send files to Mm -hmm. each other. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Well, email was for text and FTP was for files. Exactly right. It's the file transfer protocol. Right. (laughs) And I misspoke. It isn't that computers weren't designed to send files. It's that most of the programs used were not designed to send files no you got it all wrong computers were never going to catch up that's true yeah. they were just uh, they were for academia mm-hmm. one of the very f- <laughs> when the when the original uh, um uh committees were meeting um um to talk about expanding the internet from a few of the uh academic uh institutions and the government institutions they were part of to the rest of you rabble one of the people brought a shirt to our committee that said, the Internet is full. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I still had that shirt. <laughs> I so wish I still had that well, shirt. In the early days, I forget, was it in Stephen Levy's book? Um, in the early days of um, microcomputers, you know, Apple II and, and, and IBM never wanted to do a computer. Right. Because yeah. everyone already had mainframes in their basement. What do you need a personal computer for? The irony was, 50 years earlier, Tom Watson Sr., <laughs> IBM made p- 
punch card readers for the very few computers there were. And so, so IBM then said, who's going to need a mainframe computer? You know, the, the Census Bureau might need a couple. Maybe, maybe the IRS might need a couple. So IBM never made computers. Right. And then 50 years later, they made the same mistake and never made a personal computer. Put so little effort into it. It was the the Boca Raton Skunk Works was was like nine months from yeah, start to finish. Ratsmouth, Florida. Come yeah. on. They 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 bought off the shelf components. They went to a college dropout in Seattle, Washington, who said he had an operating system. They didn't put any effort into building it, and um, and came out with a PC. The, the only reason the IBM PC caught on was because I, uh, IBM had mainframes. <laughs> <laughs> and all their salespeople said, oh, you got an IBM mainframe in the, part, in the basement? You might as well put IBM PCs on your desk. Right. And, and then Bill Gates had a non-exclusive license right. for the OS he didn't own yet, but but bought really cheap. Yeah. Um, and said so then he could go to, to you know, uh, K-Pro and say, hey, you want to you make a PC clone? And so and people they could have, because, yep. because, because IBM didn't think it was going to go anywhere – they didn't use proprietary yep. components. They used whatever was off the shelf, which meant so could anybody else. Yeah. Yep. And so people bought cheaper PC clones at home so they could steal the software from work right. in many cases. Uh, and, uh, and that's why the, so the PCs are good enough. Because exactly. that was a big argument with Steve Jobs and Bill Gates that the Mac is better, but the PCs were good enough. Well, and that's right. It depends yeah. on what you're going to do with it. Yeah. So back in the day, as you well know, yeah. artists, yeah, uh, layout people like that yeah. needed Macs because they really did that job. But a, there were years and years and years of people who were used to PCs and didn't see a need to change. And b, if you weren't doing layout or art stuff. Yeah. All you were doing was typing reports. We, we even, a CPM computer did that. You didn't even need a PC. But if you had a PC, you certainly didn't need a Mac. We even used to say, "Don't waste a Mac doing you know spreadsheets." Right. Even though App, Apple, the Apple II was founded on VisiCalc and spreadsheets. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it was um, the the the. IBM went to Bill Gates because the the apocryphal story of Gary Kildall was flying his airplane. So he wasn't because he wrote um, um, CPM, and so they couldn't get that. And I'm trying to remember what book that was. And it wasn't it wasn't the Stephen Levy Hacker's book. That's earlier than that. That's the Homebrew Computer Club and and uh, and Deck. Right. Um, it wasn't Pirates of Silicon Valley. That was the Macintosh. There was another book that talked about um, the the beginnings of the of the PC and the, and a lot of those stories. You can still, by the way, download VisiCalc. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, from a couple of places. Uh, Winworld PC and Abandonware DOS and a couple of other places. They run on DOS or in a DOS emulator. Oh, and uh, the archive.org has it to run in a browser. Right, right, right. So you can, <laughs> you can run it there if, uh, if you're feeling particularly nostalgic. Uh, yep, and uh, yeah, those are some... So I tell you what... I sold more <coughs> Apple IIs with VisiCalc. Yeah. I learned more about spreadsheets and accounting than I ever, ever wanted to know. Yeah. People would come in and say, I want the spreadsheet computer. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right this way. Thank you. Um, and people bought them. And, and, you know, they were told, 
we can't buy a computer, but we can buy the spreadsheet device or yeah. whatever they called it at the time. And uh, and they could get it passed uh, on that strength uh, just by saying it was the spreadsheet device, the spreadsheet creator, spreadsheet calculator. I forget what they called it. Yeah. Everybody had a different name, but it was the spreadsheet something. And and people could uh, could get it past the accountants by saying they needed it for yeah justify it as a as a spreadsheet device not a computer um so yeah we sold an awful lot of those and uh and they were quite useful people people would stare they would sit there and stare at a computer doing addition down a row yep that was it was just amazing and that's all they needed to see i have to have five of these today Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes sir let me lead you over to the counter. All right, that music tells us the first hour of this show is now history. But ho, those of you who are planning to um, time travel into the future, stick around because there's a whole nother hour of the longest-running computer show coming your way. That's another hour of Dave Enright, Steve Ray, me, Nick Francesco, and you. It is 59 minutes after the hour. You are listening to the longest-running computer show in the known universe. That would be Sound Bites, right here on member-supported Jazz 90.1. See you on the other side. It's America's longest-running computer show. Back to more Sound Bites with Nick, Dave, and Steve. Next on member-supported Jazz 90.1. WGMC Greece, Rochester. A public service of the Greece Central School District, Jazz 90.1. Celebrating 50 years on the air in Rochester. Welcome back to America's longest-running computer show, Sound Bites, on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Get online now. Call 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free 800-790-0415. Or submit your question by email at soundbites.org. Once again, here's Nick Francesco, Dave Enright, and Steve Ray on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm <laughs> and I'm Steve Ray. And at five minutes after the hour, shockingly, we're hurtling headlong into the second hour of the longest you running computer show in the known universe. You don't, you don't oh, have a red light there. Apparently, <laughs> we're doing the second hour of this show. Amazing. Who knew? Who, yeah. who knew? Uh, well, Walter from Greece knew, and he's on the line with us. Hi, Walter. What's up? Uh, good afternoon to everybody there. Good afternoon. Uh, well, I've been playing with... Uh, Ubuntu and X Ubuntu on, uh, on Distro C. And I came up, uh, I need some help with some for answers regarding the use of Ubuntu and Ubuntu Pro. Now, okay. you're, are you familiar with Ubuntu Pro? I am. Okay, excellent. Okay, from what I, I I've got four questions, and hopefully they're going to be easy ones. Now, am I seeing that Ubuntu Pro works only on Ubuntu long LTS? The long-term service. Does that mean it does not work with Xubuntu or Kubuntu LTS? It does work with. I know it works with Xubuntu because I'm using it. Okay. So yes, it does. It does indeed work with any version of Ubuntu. Oh. But remember, Ubuntu is the is the underneath layer. Right. Um, uh, XFCE or or GNOME or KDE are just front ends that sit on top of Ubuntu. And Ubuntu Pro deals with the underlying operating system 
and doesn't care which front end you're using. Okay, great. Well, that kills uh, question number two, because I had go. about installing XFCE4 instead of the Xubuntu desktop. Yeah, you can do you can do that on any version of, of um, Linux. You can install whatever front end you want. Everyone does it a little differently, and, and getting it activated may be a little different on every uh, platform. But, yeah, you can install, you can use... You can, in fact, have five of them installed, ten of them installed, right. and just pick the one you want to play with today. Okay, very good. Uh, question number three, then, moving on to uh, with uh, Ubuntu, can you leapfrog from one LTS to another? What I'm talking about is like going from 18.04 to 22.04 without upgrading to 20.04 first? Uh, that I do not know, and I apologize. Okay. Um, I don't. I I believe when you hit Ubuntu Pro, it the first thing it does is update you to the latest. Oh, it does. Okay, I think so because it it did for me. Now whether it was just time or you know whatever, uh, but um, um, you can be on you know whichever which, which well of course it's Linux so I I guess you can probably decide to be on whatever version you want to be on and just tell tell it I want to be here. Uh, but I may have said yes. It was uh, during a hazy time in my life, and uh, apparently, <laughs> I don't remember which I which I chose specifically, whether I chose it specifically or it just happened itself. But I know that um, you can pick whatever version you like. Yeah, the reason the basis for my question there is that if I wanted to start out with say twenty two point oh four. And I understand Ubuntu Pro gives me 10 years of security, even another 25,000 programs beyond which comes with Ubuntu, that, you know, something else you could install, that it's going to be providing that service. But let's just say uh, the kernel changes. I buy, I buy him some equipment that says it wants to work with kernel 5.19 or and I'm using 4.10. Right. You know, so I've got to upgrade then. I was just wondering, you know, that could be several, uh, several versions into the future or, you know, beyond from what I'm using. So I was wondering if I could just jump from one right to the other without having to go through the intermediary long-term program. I, the, uh, like I said, I, I can't answer that because uh, on one of my devices, I am still on an older version and my other device, I upgraded, but it was one version. So I, I can't answer that question directly. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, not a problem. Not a problem. Last question, then. Uh, I have a Canon scanner, and I had to install a Linux driver, ScanGear MP2. And it appears in the Synaptic Package Manager for, for what I'm already running. Now, when I'm moving to another LTS, do you know if that Linux driver will still be in Synaptic, or must I reinstall the driver into the newer version? It depends on Canon. Ah. Well, it depends on whoever wrote that driver. Okay. Um, the likelihood is that it will still be there. Okay. Um, in the extreme likelihood is that it will still be there. But no one can promise that except the person who created the driver. You should be able to look up what packages are in the latest version of your OS um, online. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I have not seen it. For one, I'm running MX, and I don't see it. Uh, ScanGear MP2 on there. It's just I had to obtain it from Canon, install it, 
in order to have the skin of Von. So, okay. So I was just wondering if it just kind of kept that if I upgraded. But it sounds, from my experience with MX, it probably won't. I'll have to do a fresh reinstall if I a fresh install of the uh, of the driver in order uh, if I move up into the world into a newer LTS. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, the, okay, so uh, there's a, a package search feature in Ubuntu. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, at Ubuntu.com. Right. Packages.ubuntu.com slash. Okay. Uh, um, hold on. So you're you're probably looking for Lunar. I think I can't. I never. Lunar is twenty point oh four. No, Focal is twenty point oh four. Lunar is twenty three point oh four. Okay. Mantic is twenty three ten. So if you're looking for things in twenty three ten, or twenty two oh four long term support. That's where I'm going. Okay, that's Jammy. Yeah. So if you look, if you look in um, the Jammy Dodger, it's the Jammy Dodger. Um, so if you look, if you look in there, you should be able to see a list of the packages. Um, so, for example, if you went to packages.ubuntu.com/jammy/lunar, okay. I don't know why I'm looking specifically for the package Lunar. Hold on. In there somewhere. Yeah, here we go. Um, you should be able to look through various uh, packages. Yeah, just stop at Jammy. Packages.ubuntu.com slash Jammy. And you have uh, a list of the administrative utilities and the communications programs, the interpreters, et cetera, et cetera. So somewhere in there will be uh, um, the printing utilities. I don't know if that would be under drivers or base stuff. There's also an all packages thing. I suppose you could just look there. Um, and uh, and you'd be able to find uh, what you need. Okay, okay, very good. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in it because it would save me a lot of moving up from one long-term service. Well, I'm using MX. I'm going to have to change right now. Uh, come to by this June, uh, it means a fresh install. I figured, well, if Ubuntu is giving me 10 years of support, just like uh, Google is doing with uh, the Chromebooks, it's right. Like, why not uh, go with that? Means that much less worry I have, and as long as I'm satisfied with uh, the basic operating system, why not stay with it for ten years? As long as uh, Ubuntu is willing to uh, maintain the security of it. Exactly right. Okay. And I will tell you what, it's nice. It's easy. It's fast. Most of the updates happen behind my back. I don't yeah. even bother to see them. It's great. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for uh, all the answers. Appreciate it. All right. Good luck. Have fun. Thank you. Bye bye. And, and although it's called Ubuntu Pro, it's free for up to five computers. Uh, so those of you who are who are interested in it, um, you know, I've got it on my desktop and on one of my laptops, and um, done. You know, I'm done. It's easy, and you can you can um, uh, register and unregister computers. So uh, if I you know change my desktop or I uh, lose a laptop or whatever. I can unregister that one and have that f- space free again. So uh, pretty nice stuff all the way around for that. All right. There's um, a couple people who have been reporting there's a weird echo in the Jazz 90.1 app. Really, 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 A very, yeah, very low in the background echo of, I can't quite tell if it's our show or some other show. Oh, interesting. It's not on the YouTube stream. 
So it's after the discriminator board here. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's very discriminating. That's yeah. why. Um, all right. Well, we apologize for that, that for those who are listening. Is there a second uh, um, audio stream open on the streaming computer? <laughs> oh, two, two, two streams open simultaneously. Maybe. Interesting thought. I, I, I'm not over there, so I don't know. Um, it's most noticeable when you have um, when we stop talking and you can hear the background. And the, and they're actually hearing something. Huh. Well, I'm afraid we, you know, in real time, I can't. Yeah, we'll get there at this here. point. But let's get back to the phones. Our next caller is Tom from Brighton, New York. What's up, Tom? Yeah, hi. Good afternoon. Um, so recently I've been hearing that there some new computers that are coming out later this year will have some capability either either themselves or, or being able to handle uh, some AI software, either in the cloud or, or right. on the computer itself. And I'm wondering what, what those capabilities are and whether it, it's worthwhile waiting to purchase, say, a PC or, or a Macintosh, for that matter, uh, until later in the year. Well, what, what, okay, so let's start with, with where those rumors are probably coming from. Microsoft. Microsoft has said that the next version of Windows will be AI-driven, and you will need a minimum of 16 gig of RAM and a minimum of one of the newest processors um, to run it. Um, and what, of course, when you say 16 gig of RAM is a minimum from Windows, what it really means is you need 32 gig, uh, double yeah. whatever they tell you. If you want to run something else besides Windows. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, uh, the, new exp- the new computers are going to be very expensive, certainly at first, and, uh, but very, very powerful. And how is that going to be different than running Copilot in a browser? Well, or Cortana, Right, Cortana's gone. Now it's called called Copilot. Yeah, um, I don't know if they've changed the name in Halo, but certainly uh, it's now Copilot on on the on Windows. And the and the idea is that right now you run Copilot basically through a web through a computer a, a network interface. Uh, most of the work is being done at at Microsoft servers. What the new machines will do is allow you to run Copilot. Uh, locally, which also means you're going to have to have massive amounts of disk space um, in order to, in order, and most of it will be filled up with their databases. Um, so, do you need that? It depends on what you do um, and what you want to do. You know, if uh, if you're the sort of person who runs, um, uh, I don't even know what software you would need right now. But certainly Word, Excel, PowerPoint are all going to have AI components in them. Whether those will be useful to you, I have no idea. Nobody really does. An expanded grammar checker. So instead of just saying this grammar is awkward, it will recommend new grammar. Well, or you can say, uh, hey, Copilot, create me a spreadsheet that does X, Y, and Z. The problem is you've got to be able to explain that problem precisely. And and no... And be confident that the answer is right. Right. That's the problem now. <laughs> you're going you're to have to go through it and check to see that it is, in fact, correct. Um, and the same as, you know, write me a... We've already seen lawyers get into trouble because AI makes up stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while if you're writing a novel, you can make up anything you want, when you're writing a brief to the Supreme Court, you really should stick with the truth. And there was a, a recent article published about how bad... Um, 
uh, news, um, um, uh, what's we want? Like fake news site, not not fake news, but fake news sites. <laughs> right, 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 right. That uh, they just publish any random story they can. Right. They're 100% automated. And in the middle of you know the paragraph, it'll say, as a um, uh, machine learning program, I'm not able to make decisions. Right. In an article about you know who's going to be the next president. <laughs> right. So they're 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 just pasting basically ChatGPT answers into a web page and calling it a news story. Right. But there there is a way now to run ChatGPT on your local computer if you want to. Right. Rather than uh, right. running from the web, and, and when you're doing that, it's, yeah. it's it's really it's running in the cloud, obviously, and then the result is being right. downloaded to your to your computer. Well, you can you can download it locally and run it only on your local computer, but it will be slow. And the idea behind the new generation of computers is that it will be faster. Well, anytime you buy a faster processor, more RAM, and a better hard drive, you're going to get a faster computer. Yeah. So yeah. there's it's nothing new. It's nothing revolutionary. It's not like you're suddenly getting a quantum desktop. It's just it's just more cost gives you more computing power. So what would be the advantage though of running that AI software in the cloud as opposed? When I say the cloud, of course, that's a, that's just another computer somewhere. Who knows where? Right. The the, the, the advantage to running it locally is you don't have to be connected to the internet. So if what you really need is to have AI write your book while you're sitting on a beach, you yeah, want it yeah. to happen locally. Okay. Well, well, we'll have to remember that when we're writing our next book. That's exactly right. <laughs> and, of course, the other question is, or the problem is, at some point in the future is, as you were saying, how do you check that what it's giving you is correct? Right. Um, so, yeah. Right. you, know, you got to look up all the references. you got to read the thing and, and have, you know, it's it do, it's not going to save you time. Yeah. See, that, well, see and, the, and part of the problem, I think, is because they're calling it AI, artificial intelligence, we're, we're thinking it's the stuff from science fiction where, you know, you ask the, you know, you know, yeah. you know hey, I'll open the pod bay doors. Then maybe that's a bad example. Right. <laughs> I mean, we, call, we, call, we call it artificial intelligence. Yeah. It could very well be artificial misintelligence or... Yeah. Artificial deception, whatever you yep. call it. Right. Don't, don't believe that it's necessarily going to be, quote, intelligent. I like the uh, phrase, um, uh, clever regurgitator. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll take someone else's website and, and try to summarize it for you. Um, so, yeah, so in terms of, of price and, and whether you know, we should pay for this, this new technology that comes out in the next several months, perhaps, maybe the answer is, just wait a little bit longer. Right. It's like buying a new car. Do you really need a, a Maserati if what you do is go to the store and buy milk? Right. But I can get there in three seconds. Exactly. <laughs> and have four speeding tickets while you're at it. Yeah. One thing people should take a look at is at, at asknick.com slash AI tests, all lowercase, no spaces. I have uh, been doing some Google AI chat. And saving it and, and keeping it on the computer. And uh, one of my favorites is the one from 23-12-31. Yes, New Year's Eve. Um, right in the middle of one of the answers, it switches to Chinese. Or perhaps Japanese. I do not know. Um, and then goes back to English. And most of it is fine. But there's just suddenly right in the middle, there's uh, an entirely other language. Um 
It assumes you're multilingual, obviously. Yeah. And it assumes that both I and everyone in the world is multilingual. Um, and apparently we some are not. So I found a article in PC World uh, coming out of CES where a lot of this was talked about. Uh, the Intel and AMD are building AI into PCs. Doesn't matter yet, but it will. It will in the in the future. Yeah. Yes, yes. Ten, twenty, thirty years from now, we, maybe we will have, um, uh, you know, hey computer, write me a book, uh, or whatever. But right now, not so much. Um, where it's mostly useful is for people who are doing research, mm-hmm. because you, it, one of the things that really works nicely with AI is. I'm writing an article on uh, artificial intelligence. Give me 10 recent uh, quotes or 10 recent articles that I can and summarize them. Right. So it can do the initial research. Um, uh, It's less likely to be replacing people who are, uh, you know, full time lawyers, uh, but will be replacing people who are paralegals who do all the initial research. Yeah. Um, but you have, you know, you're you're going to have, uh, again, you're going to have to still vet every single thing that comes out of it because you're not going to be able to trust it because it makes stuff up. Yeah. There's a, a famous thing of a of a woman who was a who was a um, uh, well known researcher in a specific field, and she started getting calls about a pro about a. Uh, an article she'd written, uh, a, th- a thesis kind of thing, and she kept saying, I, I, didn't, I didn't write that. You've got the wrong person. Turns out there was no person. It turns out that one um, AI chat brought up an absolute fictitious article by this real author, which then became canon in a whole bunch of other researchers' stuff. <laughs> Uh, so you know, uh, for for me in particular, uh, there is a certain uh, usefulness in being able to say, "Give me ten ideas for a blog post," or uh, you know, mm-hmm. "Give me uh, five ideas to entertain my child on a rainy Sunday." We're seeing it a little bit in programming too. You know, I, I need a routine right. that can um, uh, you know pull the weather from a NOAA website, and it writes code for you. Oh, I wouldn't have thought to go that way. Sometimes. Once in a while, it gives you, for example, I tried that with Python. Mm-hmm. It gave me a Python library that doesn't exist. <laughs> it says, you know, install yeah. such and so. That library is not a, a, a real library. So where did it get that from? And so maybe there's an article somewhere where someone is writing that library. It, it wrote pseudocode. Yeah. It said, like, you know, install, get the weather. Yeah. And then how do I use, you know, if I did that, how would I, you know, what would I really get? And they just went and said, oh, install Get the Weather. Okay. Yeah. Or someone someone uh, was writing some code and entered a typo or something. They, they yeah. That can happen, too. Exactly. And that was picked up by the uh, software to, and then put on the uh, on the website. Everyone who tries to cite this, this reference now is repeating the same error. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, there's uh, – I, I do not believe that AI is ready for prime time yet in most – cases and most people don't have a real use for it uh, eventually we're going to get the what was what was uh, alan k's the device the knowledge navigator the knowledge navigator 
where you you know you essentially get uh, uh, Alfred or Jarvis uh, mm-hmm. on a computer. Hey, Jarvis, what's on my agenda today? Well, you have this, 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 and this, but you can't do that because it's going to interfere with this, and yeah. you have to you know you have to leave by eight fifteen. Most of that we can do now, and they don't call it artificial intelligence; they call it programming, or an or uh, an intelligent assistant, right? It was, it's funny if you call Siri and uh, and Alexa the the wrong names, they have completely different responses. Yes, yes. So yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Most people are going to need um, an AI computer day one, um, unless you already have a use case for AI, or you just want to play with it and you're rich. Good for you. Knock yourself out. And the odd thing is that most chips already have. Uh, a, a a section in the chip, the Apple calls it machine learning. Uh, which IBM is the Tensor Tensor chip, right? So that they're designing chips to handle these types of language models uh, more efficiently already, and they're already in computers, right? And you don't have to buy a new computer to do it unless you absolutely feel the need to do it at home. Um, oh, sorry, our Chandra said, "Hey, triggers forgot to substitute Alaska." Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, sorry, that's. I, I, Although I think they've been programming them better because um, uh, when the TV commercial comes on and says, "Hey, Shlomo, remind me to watch," it doesn't happen. But that's because there's an undertone. Yeah. Apparently, there's an undertone that they put there that that tells Alaska to not pay attention. Uh, so we don't have that. So we anyway, to, the point yeah. here is, you can already, um, if you want to, download your own um, AI stuff. Olama has a bunch of them. Um, uh, um, and, and other places. You can already use them on the web for free. Uh, you can already use them in things like Google Docs and, and, and other places. Um, at this point, having them on your own computer, the only difference is, like I said, uh, you can write your novel, you can have somebody else write your novel at the beach. Well, that would take the, uh, make the vacation a lot more enjoyable, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, there's that, yes. But you can set your computer up to do it at home and then go on vacation. <laughs> even better. <laughs> there you go. You don't even have to have a computer with you. Okay. All right, so there's no need to delay unnecessarily uh, no. purchase of the next laptop. No, like I said, unless you have a use case, no. Yeah. You're working on your Ph.D. in artificial intelligence. And, and even then, you can do it <laughs> online today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Going to take a quick break. Back in just a couple of minutes with Dave Enright, Nick Francesco. Who did I leave out? Oh, Steve Ray. Uh, Yeah, he's still here. And you. It it is 29 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the longest-running computer show in the known universe. It's Soundbites. Give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free, 800-790-0415. And we'll see you in just a couple of minutes. Computer talk you can understand. More sound bites is next on member supported Jazz 90.1. And there's the next takedown notice. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Dave Enright. And I'm Steve Ray. And at 35 minutes after the hour, we are sound bites. And we have William screaming all the way from Hampton, Virginia. Can you hear us, William? Very well, sir. How are you guys doing this afternoon? A miracle of, of electronics. Very well. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Keeping I, uh, warm down there? 
Actually, we, we, we've uh, cooled down a, a, a little bit, but I, I would trade the temperatures we have for, for you, you guys because it's not cold enough for me. Okay, uh, used, that's enough out of you, William. Yeah, Bye-bye. I was going to say you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to live in Queens, you know. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Spent most of my time either in my apartment or on the on the train. I wasn't big about walking around the street. Well, back in those days, nobody walked around the streets in Queens. Uh, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Well, um, I, I, ha- I have Zorin, and um, for uh, a considerable length of time, I had a situation where uh, a Firefox would, uh, by default, uh, boost the volume to 100%. So I did, I, I did several things, uh, and I, I looked in several places for answers, and I, I also, you know, did the bar dot google.com thing and i do believe that i may have hit upon the solution this morning um uh, after i had uh, done the bar thing um it seems like i don't know about other distros but it seems like for zorin um what i had to, what i wound up having to do was to go into the pulse audio and open it up and then click on the output devices tab and then click on the section for the audio controller analog stereo and I was able to move the volume slider um, the appropriate distance to where I got it to uh, 53% um, at the it's saying right now 16 minus 16.67 dB. But anyway, uh, I have closed the, the the tab that I've been doing the streaming. I, I closed tabs that I've been doing audio streaming with several times and reopened them, and it seems like it's working now. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've reset the default on that particular controller? Yes. Nice. Yes. Yes, but but what I had to do, and and like I said, I don't know how it would work for other distros. But what I had to do was was uh, uh, open Pulse Audio Control to make the adjustment. Right, right, right. So it's happening after the the audio controller itself. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And but but the strange thing about it is that I noticed that it, it seemed like I only had the problem with Firefox with with Brave. I didn't notice the problem, but. I don't know. It's just like uh, really peculiar to Firefox. Well, what it sounds like is that Brave is taking the um, the audio you set through the front end, and and Firefox is taking the audio you set through the back end. Oh, okay, to the back end. Okay, yeah, that would that would uh, yeah, that would definitely make sense. before processing and after processing, essentially. Mm-hmm. 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 But. Anyway, that's what I managed to do. Excellent. Uh, Thank yeah, you, William. I, I, Appreciate it. Of course. I, I just wanted, in closing, I just wanted to say that I'd, I'd seen several different posts about the matter on, on Reddit and Quora's and all that. So I thought I'd just share that. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Of course. You guys enjoy your day. Great show as usual. Thanks. You all Have right. fun. See, this is what I like is when our users call up with actual yep. answers. It's easier than us having to figure them out. Yeah. Uh, we, we appreciate that. It makes our job that much easier. 
And Lord knows I'm all about making it easier for me. Who do we ask when we have a problem? Well, that's that's <laughs> just it. I've said this for decades. Never be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> Absolutely. You yep. don't learn anything when you are. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, that's how that works. All right. Back to the phones. Our next caller is Gary from Greece, New York. What's up, Gary? Good. How are you guys doing? Peachy, you? Good. Okay. Here we go. I'm trying to re-recover my Gmail account. Uh, I, I did the process, um, and I got it back on the 22nd of November. I went back to it like a couple of days ago. Now it's gone again. I'm more concerned about the uh, stuff I got on the Google Drive. So how do I get it back? And I've been through all the, their prompts here or there. Nothing. When you got it back the first time, do you know why? I mean, was it somebody getting your password? or No, I'm not sure what happened. I just all of a sudden just lost it. Uh, so when you try to log into your Google account now, what's the exact error message? Uh, username is not, the account is not there, whatever. No, well, I'm sorry, but without the actual... Without the actual error message, it's hard for us to mm-hmm. do any yeah. diagnoses. So, um, uh, what we need is the is the actual error message you get when you try to log in. Okay, I have to go back and do that. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Right. Sometimes that can that'll point you in a different direction, mm-hmm. whether it says you know username not found or right. you know password incorrect or okay. or account locked right. or something right. like that. Yeah. One more question, if I may. Sure. I do have several Gmail accounts, uh, particularly on the drives. And I've, got, I've got different things on different drives. Right. How do I search? Instead of going to one drive at a time, one, one account at a time, is there a way to, to search all the way through all my five or six or seven accounts rather than going through logging out and logging back in again? Um, good question. Uh, share them to each other? That's the only way I can think of. If you share them among each other, each one essentially shows up in all the others. Right. How would you do that? Um, when, you, when you have a, uh, you can share a document or you can share a folder. So if your things are in folders, it's easier. You share the whole folder. Um, um, so you, you, what you do is you go in and say, uh, uh, to the folder, you you click share, and then mm-hmm. you put in all of the accounts that you want to share it with. If they're okay. all um, uh, Gmail accounts, it's pretty easy. If they're not Gmail accounts, then they they get a message that they have to answer, and then you have to approve. Right. But you you can do it either way. Um. And then there there are other ways where you can. Uh, add them uh, uh, using um, third-party products, but that assumes you trust mm-hmm. oh, yeah. all those third-party but if products. You, and if you're sh- so, if you're sharing it between your your own accounts, right? Um, then it then you, sh- you don't have to, to to trust a third party, and it mm-hmm. shows up in the shared with me section when you look at Google Drive on the web. Okay, all right. I'll give it a try. All right. Good luck. Thank you. 
right. I'm right down that error message. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sorry, folks, but most of the time, the error message will at least give us a clue as to where to start. Otherwise, we don't we don't really have a a, a handle on where to yeah. on where to get started. Um, I get that a lot with Ask Nick. Uh, as many of you know, I have a newsletter I put out. Ask Nick newsletter. People write in computer questions, and I answer them. Um, and, and often, I I can't answer them uh, because they haven't given me enough information. You know, I can't, there's just there's it could be any one of two or three hundred things, and the newsletter is only so long every week, so. Um, yeah, we get that a lot. Customer brought a computer in today, and it's their sons, and the symptom is it's dead. Yeah. Okay. What What does that mean? Yeah. Really. <laughs> right. It doesn't boot up, or it doesn't the drive. It gets yeah. a. Is there a sad? Ma- they probably don't have sad yeah. Mac anymore. Yeah, but there's a power on. Can right. you log in? You know. Right. You know how far do you get before it doesn't work anymore? Yeah, and they don't know because it's the sons, and he's off at college, and. Right. So there, there's another. They need it fast because he's off at college. Right. <laughs> All right. But we'll get to it. We'll get we'll to it. We'll figure it out. Uh, in the meantime, buy him a Chromebook. Uh, our next caller is Dave from Canandaigua, New York. What's up, Dave? Good afternoon, gentlemen. It is. I, yeah, I uh, have answers to questions that nobody's asking. A couple Excellent. Of them. All right. But a, a, a quick one for the previous caller about multiple accounts to get your drive. You could just open up a, a new tab in your browser. And then just switch accounts. You know, click on the the dot on the upper right there, and right. so now you got a uh, your drive yeah. on each different tab as your different whatever. Um, right. So uh, back when I was using uh, LastPass, and they they killed everybody that was getting it for free. So I almost didn't switch to Bitwarden because I couldn't figure out how to make Bitwarden work on my phone because what they don't make clear and simple is that you have to turn off your Wi-Fi on your phone in order to sync Bitwarden. And that that fixes pretty much every problem that I've ever had with that. You just turn off the Wi-Fi and then it, it uses the cellular in order to, to get into Bitwarden's uh, servers. That's weird. To sync your stuff. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, if, if somebody has been trying to use Bitwarden and they're frustrated by that, uh, yeah, just turn off the Wi-Fi, and you'll get right in. Syncing works fine. Excellent. Thank and you. I'm yeah. seeing you have to add Wi-Fi sync as a preference. Oh, so if you don't add Wi-Fi uh, no, sync, it won't sync over Wi-Fi. It won't sync over Wi-Fi. I get it. No, yeah, no matter what you do, it won't sync over Wi-Fi. Right. It works works okay on a computer, but on a cell phone, it does not. So, Interesting. Thanks. And now, I have, an old, I have an old tab. This is on top of the other one. I have an old tab A which has no cellular service. So I don't have a phone number, so I don't really have... All right. Right. So how do I get Bitwarden to work with that? Well, it only took me a million hours, but if you, if I use uh, Bluetooth uh, tethering uh, between the phone that's actually connected to the Internet and, and the uh, tablet, which has no phone, then it finds its way to the Internet. I can even sync Bluetooth on my tablet that doesn't even have phone. Nice. Very, very so, nice. Questions nobody was asking, or maybe they were. But good yeah. answers anyway. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dave. Yeah. Nice work. Sure. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye bye. Right. There we are. This, like I said, now, now, what? 
Everybody just call in with your answers, never mind your questions. Yep. We'll just sit here and say, good work. Um, that's what we do. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're pretty happy uh, when people can do that. Um, who is that, Anonymous Squirrel? Is that who it is? Um, yeah. Okay, I've got a, I've got a pinky finger discipline. Not anonymous chipmunk. Pinky finger discipline. I keep hitting the wrong. I keep hitting the the pad with my pinky yeah. and and doing things, clicking hit, on things. I hit it with the uh, heel of my thumb. Okay, is this Fred from Rochester? Even though it's semi crossed out. Okay, our next caller is Fred from Rochester, New York. What's up, Fred? Hey, how you guys doing? Peachy, how are you? I'm hanging in there. Uh, you had talked about before with the uh, with the Gmail account and having a recovery plan. Um, the previous caller might want to hear that advice again. Yeah. So, as, yeah. so everybody now in in every account you have, email, banks, whatever. Make sure you have a have a, a recovery email address, a second email address on your account. So if the first one has a problem, you can use the second one. Uh, and see about setting up a legacy contact. So if you pass, who has access to your data? Right. Good uh, good suggestion. Yeah, that's um, that's something I've I've got. You know, a, a backup phone number, backup email. Yep. Uh, all of those things that are in case I do something goofy and lose it. That's often um, why you can't get back into your Google account. You know, username, username and password aren't working. Um, and so you say forgot, and it says, all right, we'll text you a code. Well, if yeah, right? they don't yeah. have your phone number, they can't text you the code. That's you can't exactly get back right. in. So you need you need to make sure you have your na- your regular password, your phone number, two-factor authentication, and if for and and some legacy people who can get into your account if the inevitable happens, uh, when the inevitable happens, um, because we, you know many of us, we're, look, all of us are at the point where at any day it could be important that somebody else gets to our banking mm-hmm. uh, and our our uh, information. So uh, set those things up, and like we said earlier, um, uh, set up somebody to uh, at your accounts. Uh, get a get a second person on all your accounts. Google has a privacy checkup thing where it will check through you and make sure you have all these things turned on. They used to give you extra drive space by filling out the privacy security checkup, but they, they That's why don't I have any. nineteen gig instead of yeah. fifteen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Thanks, thanks, Fred. So I got so I got a uh, question on on uh, it's it's now tax season, and I do all my um, tax communications with an accountant via my phone. Um, and I get a PDF that um, I need to sign. Is there um, other than other than buying a DocuSign or um, Adobe? Is there a um, service or a way to do that other than printing it out, signing it, and rescanning it? Doesn't that um, last year? Doesn't the Foxit PDF reader do? Signing? Yeah, but which, uh, what, do you have an Android phone or? And Android phone, yep. Okay, on Android. Hmm. Yeah, so you need a PDF reader that allows for forms. Yeah, I need this. I need to sign it. I gotta. I gotta get to that little window and sign it. 
Um, I did uh, I did the free version of DocuSign one year, but you know I can't go back and get the trial version again the second year, even though I you know I discontinued it and then you know you go back to it says oh, you've already used your trial version. So the the free Adobe Reader will do many documents to fill and sign. Um, the, uh, look, I think the Foxit PDF Reader will also. Yeah, and you can also go to Adobe's fill and sign a PDF website where you upload the document, sign it online, and download it, download the signed version back to your phone. Even uh, password protected. That I do not know. Okay. That I do not know. I know it will password protect one you've already signed. I don't know okay. if it will uh, if it will do that to one that. I mean, I've not I've not really used it, but but we'll have so, Steve. So go to the, to the go to the browser to Adobe. Yeah, it's a uh, Steve's going to post it, but it's at Adobe dot com slash Acrobat slash online. Slash okay. sign dash PDF dot HTML, but yeah, he's Google, gonna... yeah Google uh, Adobe fill and sign. <laughs> yeah, but it will be up on our link list in a moment. Okay, I'll look there. Okay, great. I think that covers it. Alrighty. All right, excellent. Thanks. And, and I've run into similar situations where Apple's PDF reader built into the Mac can do most um, uh, form filling in, but it has trouble with some IRS forms. Which is weird, but other forms are fine. Now there is an Android and um, Apple app called Adobe Acrobat Sign, which will use your thumbprint as your legal signature. Ah. So you might also uh, want to take a look at that. It's called Adobe Acrobat Sign, and you can get it in either the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. So that that probably is the easiest and best way to do it, I would imagine. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Gary calling back from Greece, New York. What's up, Gary? Okay. Um, I signed in with my uh, lost email. Yeah. And the only, um, the only message I get is couldn't find your Google, Google account. Now, I do have a recovery email, verification email. I don't know what else, what else I can do. There should be a forgot, um, forgot password link and a, and a forgot um, um, username link. Well, the only thing I see on here is forgot email link, nothing else. That's fine. Yeah, that's it. I, I do that, and I get nothing. So right when you to... when you tap on that link, nothing comes up. I mean, do you have pop ups blocked? Maybe so it's blocking the window that's trying to come up. Hello. It's just uh, asking for my recovery email. Right. So give it the other email address. Okay. Let me try it. No, Gary, we, we have a problem. We keep losing you. got your you. radio on in the background. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Now it's asking me for yes. my name and address. Yeah. Okay. Put all that stuff in. Just fill okay. it all out. Okie doke. Yep. All right. Good luck. Just fill yeah, out the Yeah, he had some bad feedback. It sounds like a machine gun going off too. What What yeah. it sounds like is he's on uh, he, he's he's on a phone that doesn't do multitasking well, mm. and he's talking to us at the same time he's 
and he had the radio browser, in the background. He had the radio on in the background. It was a little, a little much. Um, but uh, yeah, just fill out the form, and uh, and uh, they should send you something back again. As to why you lose your account, there are a hundred reasons. Sometimes oh. it's uh, it's Google screw up. Sometimes it's people who've taken over your account because you have a lousy password. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and sometimes you forget and type in the wrong password too many times. Um, all, most of those problems are solved with a good password manager. But um, uh, having w- w- if you can get into your account, having an alternate email address they can send uh, information to and a password recovery uh, phone number um, should be should help. And if you don't have either of those, uh, it you could be out of luck. You could be completely out of luck. They now have, it is they have no way to prove that's your account, so they won't let you back in. Right, and and it is certainly possible that someone who breaks into your account would change those things. But mm-hmm. that's why you have two factor authentication, so that they can't get in in the first place, um, and and a super long password so that you have never used anywhere else. So that it is, it is less likely that they can get that password from somebody. And to help with that, that's where you get the password manager. Let the password manager make a 100-character password and install it, and you don't care anymore. Yep. The only place you should not use long, involved, complex passwords is for logins to some of your streaming services. Because you have to do them online with the left, 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 down, yeah. down, down. Pain in the butt. That's a pain in the butt. Although but, many of them now will tell you to go to a link on your phone. I and love then, that. And then your phone puts the password in for you, and then the phone tells the back end to let that TV in. Right. Those are nice. I love to watch that because you click the yes or the whatever it is yep. you do, and then you just sit there and watch magic happen on the screen. It's, I love that. That's great stuff. Uh, they all need to do that. But, yeah, so, um, look, your first line of defense is your username and password and all the attendant things that go along with that, mm-hmm. the recovery password, the reco- the security questions, the and, phone number, and, all of that stuff. Set it all up, put it in a password manager, and now you don't have to worry anymore. And it is tedious and it is annoying, uh, but the bad guys are more so. And if the you can't get back into your own account, that's... Much more tedious and annoying. Right. It's a lot less tedious to fill out a a, a password manager than it is to try to recover your account from Google or, God forbid, Facebook. Yeah. So, you know, be aware that those those things are, are doable. They're fixable. You just have to take a minute to set them up each time. And that's all it takes. All right. That music tells us we are done for another week, I want to thank everybody who called in. I want to thank everybody listening. I want to thank Dave Enright. I want to thank Steve Ray. I'm Nick Francesco. Uh, we are done for this week, but uh, we're still here. So, uh, you know, join us next week with a whole lot more of the longest-running computer show in the known universe. That would be Soundbites. Right here on the truly great and truly grateful to you because it is only with your help that we remain on the air because we are solely member-supported Jazz 90.1. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in just 166 hours. Be good to one another, will you, for Pete's sake?